Hello and welcome to the Is It Worth It podcast. I am your host, James Pulse Welsh. We've got a fantastic episode for you guys this week. We've got Rihanna Knight. She's the founder of Team Timbuktu. They are a sustainable activewear, outerwear, adventure wear company. Um, she's a fantastic woman and she's really is, you know, been a huge inspiration to me and you know, our time here in the Activator. Uh, yeah, just had a fantastic chat with her about, you know, sustainability, what it means to, you know, live a more sustainable life, what it means to run a sustainable business. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, just a few quick things before we get started. First thing is, uh, you might have noticed that it's just me today and there's no Tom here. Um, Tom is actually moving to China in a couple of weeks, so, you know, it's really exciting. So we're going to move from, you know, both of us doing regular podcast to you know us doing the occasional podcast and me trying to do more regular interviews with all sorts of interesting and fascinating people um yeah so i hope you enjoy this interview i hope you you know get a lot of value out of you know me chatting to someone else and seeing their point of view um yeah i hope you enjoy this episode of the is it worth it podcast and yeah hit like subscribe check us out on instagram Check out our latest blogs. Um, I've been writing a few. Haven't written any in a while, but yeah, trying to trying to get one out at the moment. Trying to write about the effects of toxic masculinity on environmentalism. It's very interesting. The more I read about it, the more interesting it is. Um, I think particularly as we're you know, two young men trying to talk about ways to live more sustainably, hearing that some men don't, you know, deliberately don't live more sustainably out of fear of, you know making sustainable lifestyle changes you know feminine or whatever um yeah it's really interesting so trying to get that blog written at the moment but uh yeah fair bit else going on trying to get some interviews so today's episode was with rihanna knight she's yeah as i said she's absolutely amazing and later this week gonna have an interview with uh, adam who's also another founder here at activator um who also sort of in the apparel space i'll uh i'll wait for you to hear the next episode to hear about adam but um yeah rihanna was absolutely fantastic she has some really really interesting insight into uh you know what it means to live a more sustainable life what it means to live a more you know to operate a more sustainable business and um yeah i really hope you enjoy this episode fantastic to talk to her and uh yeah I hope you're all having an awesome day. I hope you're you know, making those little changes and asking yourself, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it for me and my circumstances? Is it worth having that third tub of ice cream or should I not because, you know, the planet's dying? Um, <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys have a fantastic day, a fantastic week. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for this episode with Rihanna Knight. Hello and welcome to the Is It Worth It podcast. My name is James Pulse Welsh and with me here today is Rihanna Knight. Rihanna, how are you? I'm really great, thank That's you. Great. So what's been going on? What's the so for those who don't know, who who are you? What's what's your deal? <laughs> um, just a regular human working on my laptop. I'm the founder of the brand called Team Timbuktu, which mm. is a sustainably made apparel brand. So we made clothes made for moving in, like active wear and outdoors apparel more sustainably from recycled plastic bottles. Fantastic. So so 
Explain to me how how like, how do you make a jacket out of plastic bottles? I, I, I always you know, I was checking out your Instagram just before you came in. Like, mm-hmm. how does how do you make a jacket out of plastic bottles? Okay, so there's quite a few steps, but simplifying it, there's three. Let's call it four main different categories. There's we'll work backwards. I do the, this isn't backwards at all. I'll do the design bit. Um, You have your garment manufacturer who does your cut and sew. You have your fabric uh, mill who creates the fabric. And then you also have your plastic recycler. So the plastic recycler, they'll collect the bottles from recycling. They'll sort them by color, remove the caps, take off the labels. um, And then they'll wash and sterilize them. And then they'll melt them down into like a cornflake kind of chip yeah. size and then they'll melt them down again into like a rice bubble size and then they're extruded essentially through like a shower head yeah. and then um, that is then woven into a thread into a fabric and then cool. cut the fabric make the garment yeah send it my way very nice mm. that's really cool so I'd always wondered because I always seen like you know made out of like this many bottles yeah. and like yeah it's always really interesting to actually get behind it and see what so I guess before, I really want to dive into Team Timbuktu, mm-hmm. but I guess before that, I think the, I've been trying to think about like what sort of questions I wanted to ask you for the podcast, but I think the key question I wanted to ask you was, what does environmentalism mean to you? Great question, tough question, nothing and everything nothing all and everything. combined. Really, yeah. um, I think it depends on the individual or on mm. the company because... It's definitely values based, but it also depends how far you take it. Yeah. Like, or how far you want to take it within your life and what's practical and reasonable. Yeah. Is it perhaps you um, choose to eat vegan, or perhaps you choose not to use any single use plastic, or perhaps yeah. you're completely zero waste? Um, for me personally, it's trying to reduce my impact as an individual and as a company. Yep. But in saying that, I'm a flawed human, and as is everyone. As is everyone. So <laughs> I think that's the other interesting thing that I hadn't thought about. The distinction between you as a person mm-hmm. and Team Timbuktu as a company. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you know, trying to implement sustainable practices in mm-hmm. both your own life and the company. Mm-hmm. How do you see your responsibility as a person as an individual mm-hmm. and as a company is there a do you take a slightly different tact with one of them do you do you feel more responsible in one than the other is it yeah definitely um i think as a company oh, the company yeah. as i'm the founder our values are quite similar as me as a person and me as the company but they are a little bit different like yeah. the company would never promote single-use plastic usage, be it a coffee cup or yeah. um, packaging for a garment. And we're always trying to promote um, how to reduce your impact and live more sustainably and how to be better, doing it in a positive way that's not saying you're the worst person ever if you screwed up because yeah. everyone screws up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, would never post a picture of someone with a single-use coffee cup um, wearing our product yeah. versus um, just because of the large audience, you're you just don't want to be promoting that because that's not values attached. Versus yeah. as an individual, I also don't want to promote that, but occasionally I do screw up, and yeah. occasionally yeah. it's like I really need some caffeine. 
I'm going to try harder next time. I don't have yeah. my keep cup on me. I'm yeah. going to do it, but then I'm not going to broadcast it to thousands of people. Yeah. Um, which I know isn't perfect, but yeah, slightly yeah. different. I think it's an interesting thing. I think it's an interesting that businesses can, you know, who have quite a large influence sort of, who are taking a more serious step around sustainability and taking that quite seriously. I think it's really great to see because mm. when you have influence and you, like you said, when you're broadcasting on social media and all sort of stuff, you want to broadcast the ideal sort of, this mm. is what we can all strive for. Yeah. But yeah, on a personal level, we're all sort of, you know, we all have those moments of mm. weakness. We all have those moments of, oh, no, nah, I just need something Definitely. now. Yeah, and then yeah. also like, kind of owning up to it being like okay i'll try harder next time mm. i've noticed that i only have mm. one keep cup one's at home maybe i need another one for work mm. because yeah. i noticed that i always fail there yeah and so then that's fine just trying to like trying to be better next time yeah yeah that sounds good so you mentioned just as you came in that you were hiking in tasmania over the yeah. last weekend is that right so, so i hiked the overland track in tasmania really? so it's meant to be a six-day, 80, 85-kilometer trek. Yeah. Uh, hiked it with a girlfriend in four days. Really? We didn't have much time, so we were like, we'll just smash it out. Had an amazing Jeez. time, but I'd highly recommend taking six days. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yes, yeah, because it's like 80K, isn't it? So you, yeah. you were doing 20K days for four Oh, we days. had... Um, we had two 25k days just oh because based off where geez. the huts are where you're sleeping and you're hiking through snow and um yeah yeah like great fun but good challenge yeah that have been a serious challenge okay mm. so that's the other thing i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. the team timbuktu message mm-hmm. this i've noticed it's quite a, it's heavily around sort of well, at least how i how i have seen it it's quite heavily around sustainability but also promoting an active lifestyle it's not mm-hmm. just you know here's some clothes that are made from recycled plastic yeah. it's here's you know active wear here's things that can help you get outside get moving mm. how does your you, you sound like someone who lives quite an active lifestyle mm-hmm. like you know I've done a little bit of hiking here and there and, you know, like dad's always been talking about doing the overland and mm. just talk about, oh yeah, you could do, you know, six days or you could do seven mm. and do that little bit or you could, you know, stretch it out to eight or whatever. Mm. Hearing you've done <laughs> it in four days, like that's pretty intense. So how, so you, you're obviously quite an active person. Mm. Is being active something that you, you know, have placed quite a high value on is it something that you get a lot of value out of in your life and you know you want to share that to others is it sort of is it uh is is your company you know promoting active wear that's also sustainable or is it here's a sustainable way to make active wear like is there so I'll tell you a little bit yeah. about why the company started. I was hiking in Patagonia in South America, yeah. one of yeah. the most beautiful places in the world, wearing some of the ugliest clothes in the world. Mm. So just think traditional hiking pants and yeah. you've got the picture. Like they were yeah. ugly as. <laughs> and I generally don't take selfies and I don't take many pictures. I just don't feel the need to be in front of the camera. But then when I'm hiking somewhere, it's like, actually, I really want to take a selfie. There's an incredible mountain range behind yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to take pictures because what I was wearing was so ugly, um, which is slightly ridiculous, but also whatever. Um, And so I wanted to create a brand that encouraged women to get outdoors, move their bodies. It's not focused on the gym whatsoever, but at the end of the day, essentially, um, we do sell leggings and leggings are very multi-purpose from going to Coles to going to the gym to hiking in Patagonia. And so, yeah, I wanted to create an outdoors brand that created technical product that didn't compromise on style or sustainability. So, yeah, I didn't think that um, 
Originally, I was actually going to make a pair of hiking pants, but okay. then I thought I'll start with something a little more universal mm. and product type and mm. started with that. But what I really want to promote is sustainability and, yeah, getting women outdoors, doing yeah. really cool things. Like, I definitely feel better personally when I exercise and when I'm active, but I'm not motivated to go to yeah. the gym. Like, I don't like being indoors. No, that's really interesting because I think you... I think particularly through the you know avenues that I've known you, you know, we're here in the activator space. It's a fantastic space. There's a lot of you know startups here who are doing things around sustainability, and so I think you know our first introduction was here's Rihanna. She's doing you know a sustainable activewear brand. Mm. I think looking at a lot of your stuff, it's very much here's activewear and here's you know getting people active, getting people moving, and it's sustainable. But it's mm. interesting to hear that it was sort of the activewear was sort of the the um, formation and then mm. you're like okay how can we make this sustainable as well is that well, for me, fair, um, so my background is in fashion I studied at RMIT mm. and then I worked in industry managing design and production for three years um, and so yeah with my background and knowledge and um, industry connections like I knew it was possible to make yeah. more sustainable fabrics um, yeah. you can either choose natural fibers or recycled or there's a couple of different options out yeah. there that have significantly reduced impact. Um, and so for me, it wasn't even a question at all whether I would choose a conventional polyester or a recycled yeah. polyester. Um, it, I didn't even talk about it for a good yeah. six months when I first launched because yeah. I was like, oh, of course it's recycled, whatever. Like yeah. the really exciting thing is like, we can go outdoors and do cool things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hang on. Actually, everyone's actually really excited that it's recycled. Yeah. Maybe I should talk about that more. Okay, so it was just sort of like, yeah, it was just, of course, we're going to make a recycle, yeah, like, you know, yeah. this is just making a better product, yeah. and it's getting you outside, but people are yeah. like, oh, no, let, you know, it's really yeah. good that it's Because most people really cool. don't know that it's possible, because yeah. most people aren't, like, in the nitty-gritties of yeah. the fashion industry, visiting fabric mills and everything, and yeah. I tend to forget that, so even at, like... Uh, big design markets now people are yeah. like oh my goodness is this really recycled plastic bottles I'm like oh oh yeah like yeah, yeah. forget but yes <laughs> that's really cool that's really interesting mm. no that's really good I think it's it's been a pleasure to actually learn a bit more about sort of Timbuktu and I think yeah because it's always sort of you know seen uh, uh, caught up at the uh, talking market <laughs> mm. of all things Rand does a fantastic job of getting around to markets and you know making sure that everyone knows about the awesome work that she's doing. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to do talk to you about today was Tom and I started this podcast based on you know us taking this footprint calculator and sort of figuring out from there you know what sort of changes we can make and you know how we could live more sustainable lives. Would you mind if we take that calculator now and see see what's going on in, in the real life of Rihanna Knight? Yeah, sure thing. Sounds Let's good. Do it. All right, so I've got this up here. So I'm I'm just curious because I think you, you're saying that you know you you try your best to live a sustainable life, but mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like everyone, we all have those moments of weakness mm. where it's you know it just doesn't quite get there. So I'm curious to see what what sort of stuff you do in your daily life because I think. It's interesting, particularly chatting with different people in different situations. I think a lot of people end up living pretty sustainable lives just by accident. I think, you know, people mm -hmm. who live in the city who are like, no, why would I have a car? It's just, you know, it just doesn't work for me. Or, you know, oh, no, I've been vegetarian for ages mm. because of, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, people who are like, oh, no, my family is obsessed with Tupperware, so we don't really buy, like, you know, things in packaging or mm. all sort of stuff. 
Um, but I'm curious to see what sort of things you consciously do mm-hmm. and what sort of things you like, okay, I know I could do that more, but mm. it doesn't really work at the moment. Yeah. I think the other thing that I'm curious to see is, you know, the whole idea of is it worth it is, okay, find changes or find, you know, little things that we can adjust today, but ask ourselves, you know, is it worth it? So for me, mm. like this morning, you know, I drove my car to the station and then got the train in. Mm. because you know doing this podcast we've got a few I've got a few other things on tonight and so when I was looking at riding home at you know say 10 or 11 in the dark in the cold I was like is it worth it no it's not (laughs) so I think I'm curious to see I think you've got you sound like you have a pretty practical sense of you know what's worth it and what's not and being honest with yourself about Mm. you know what's really worth it in the moment so I'm, I'm curious to see what uh what comes of this so the first question is how often do you eat animal based products um i'd eat so i'm vegetarian have mm-hmm. been for 10 or 15 years um but in saying that i eat a lot of eggs for the protein so i'd yeah. eat them five times a week yeah um but yeah eggs occasionally cheese but that's it mm. So next question, how much of the food that you eat is unprocessed, unpackaged, or locally grown? So I'm just thinking, I shop at Coles, which I used to shop at a like local grocer, um, mm. which then I moved house and I just never found another one, which is a terrible excuse. But I'm thinking the majority of like all fruit and vegetable, none of that is packaged or processed. To be honest, I have no idea where it's grown. Because mm. that might be within Australia, it might be overseas. Yeah. Like, is it bananas from Queensland? Or, like, mm. who knows? Um, I, I guess know. the other thing is, like, I, I think, like, unprocessed or unpackaged. Like, what, what does your diet, is it mostly sort of, you know, veggies and stuff that's in less packaging? Or is it, you know... Probably 50%. Like, I'll think about, I'll buy rice inside plastic. Mm. I'll buy tofu inside plastic. I buy bread inside plastic. But then I buy fruit and veg, and it's yeah. obviously just covered in itself. So I reckon we'll do it. 50? About 50? Yeah. All right, sounds good. And then move on to the next question. Which housing type best describes your home? Uh, options include freestanding, no running water, freestanding running water, multi-story apartment, duplex, or luxury condominium. Do you live in a luxury no, condominium? Around? Nothing live... luxury about oh. me. <laughs> uh, freestanding with running water. Cool. All right, next question. Uh, what material was your house constructed with? Brick. Brick. Classic Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people live in your household? Two. Two. And how big is it? This one's tricky. I feel like if you, like, I have a I bit know, of a... square meter it. Yeah, like, I have a <laughs> bit of a building small. background, and I still <laughs> don't really know what my house is. Um, I'd say it's definitely small-ish. Small-ish? Not tiny go, house, but um. Why don't we go the smaller side of medium? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, do you have electricity on your home, and how yes. energy efficient is it? I would have no idea. So is the, <laughs> <laughs> this is the other thing. Um, it's got some handy little. So is it well insulated with you know sort of efficient lights and appliances? Careful usage. Not insulated. No. Careful usage. Um, all the appliances are. None of them are terrible, none of them are fantastic, them, yeah. all middle range. Okay. So I'm going to say about average. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. 
Uh, what percentage of our home's electricity comes from renewable resources? None. None. Mm. Well, this is the other thing. I think we've been doing this, you know, quite frequently. Mm. I think we figured out that Victoria's energy, like the normal stuff that comes out of the mains, I think is generally about 12% oh. renewable okay. these days. Um, interesting thing, not long ago, ACT got to 100%. Like uh-huh. you don't have to go through a special, yeah. you know, power shop or Meridian Energy or anything. Yeah. It's like 100% straight Easy. out of the socket. Like it's fantastic. So we'll say 14% for that. And then how much trash do you generate? Um, this is the other thing where we can add more details if oh. you yeah there's a whole lot <laughs> with this one so how often do you buy new clothing footwear sporting goods very rarely stuff? very rarely like once every That's couple of months yeah um uh annual new household furnishings purchases this one's funny like you can go all the way up to a lot i completely refurnish my <laughs> living room it's an annual oh, ritual i don't know no. anyone who does that but um like not much. I feel a like bit. you buy things as you need them. So That's, right now I've bought a yeah. couple of things um, just because the living room looked a little bit bare. But now I won't add anything for the next five mm. years. Mm. So. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, when we say I haven't decorated in years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Um, how often do you purchase new appliances, gadgets, books, magazines? Uh, never for never, appliances. Never, never. Um, electronics i've just replaced my iphone and macbook they were both four and a half years old that's pretty that's Um, pretty good (laughs) books magazines maybe two books a year yeah that's it uh and then how much do you recycle paper and plastic how much where do you live and do they actually recycle it (laughs) i really hope they do it depends (laughs) (laughs) i'm north side um it depends i guess what's happening with the recyclers Mm. that week <laughs> so, do you, so why don't we say? I definitely put everything inside the yeah, recycling bin, but let's it just depends say, let's up just to say everyone all. else. What let's happens. just say all. And if someone from your council is listening, let's, mm, hopefully, let's hope they uh, hope they're getting on that. How far do you travel by car or motorcycle each week? Um, see, I know cars are terrible for the environment. This is an interesting, thing. but yeah. for me, that's a non-negotiable. Yeah, because I, like I drive to work. 50% of the time I'll go and see my parents they're an hour away I want to go down the coast or I want yeah. to go hiking that's yeah. two hours drive away I yeah. want to go snowboarding like oh, I'm about to drive to Sydney and Adelaide for markets um, so I don't know at least 80 kilometres a week yeah I would say 90 yeah 90 kilometres a week alright so actually you don't go anywhere by motorcycle, so make sure there's no Only no in Bali. <laughs> uh, what's the average fuel economy of the vehicles you use most often? I think it's 8.6 kilometres per litre. Or, or is it 8.6 litres? Maybe per 100, 100 kilometres, that one. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what 8.6... <laughs> I don't know what that is. But okay, so let's say 8, just below 9. Fantastic. All right. When you travel by car, how often do you carpool? Never. No? Once every three weeks, month. Say 3%. Sure. <laughs> um, this is another good one. How far do you travel on public transport each week? In kilometres? Yeah. yeah in, in Let's call it 40. 40. 
Do you typically bus, train? Train. Train. And then big one, how many hours do you fly each year? Ooh. So this is definitely skewed of visiting manufacturers. So I'll have at least one trip a year where I'll go to China. I might tack on Indonesia or India, maybe Taiwan. Um, and then I also probably like to try and squeeze in one holiday a year. So, but then also it depends whilst I'm visiting manufacturers. It's never just Melbourne to yeah. Guangzhou or Xiamen. Like yeah. there's always a couple of stops along the way. So yeah. it's quite a bit. I'd say maybe 20. 20? Yeah. All right. You ready? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Okay, personal Rihanna's oh. overshoot day is eighth of July. If everyone lived like you, would need one point nine Earths. I think. That's What's your gut reaction? Quite bad, but at the same time, it's a little bit better than the global mm. overshoot day, isn't it? Absolutely. So, at Earth overshoot day this year was. I think it was the 28th of July. I think it was my birthday. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, much better than the world overshoot day and much better than the Australian I think the average Australian is something about like if everyone lived like the average Australian would need like three Earths or something yeah wow that's still definitely room for improvement (laughs) yeah so by consumption category this is uh, this is an interesting one I think Mm. uh, you mentioned that the car was sort of a non-negotiable I'm interested in that so what so you're saying you know um, visiting parents Mm -hmm. You know, getting to and from work, t- going hiking, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. It's just, you know, I have a car. This is... Yeah. I think I could reduce it marginally by riding my bike to do my supermarket shopping. But when you look at that on a week-by-week basis, mm. you'd be saving an extra five kilometers yeah. versus yeah. I'm not going to ride share or do anything different for the larger trips or drive an mm. hour out to go see the warehouse to do a stock take or that kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's just... It's highly inconvenient. Perhaps if I wasn't a business owner and I lived in a city, then Mm. I could eliminate it. Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't think I could really reduce that much. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think, you know, for you as someone who runs a business, I think Mm. you're saying that, you know, a lot of your driving is, you know, mostly business and work related. Um, So yeah, for you, you know, it is like, that's worth it. You know, it's Mm. it's running a sustainable, you know, apparel company. Mm. And, you know, part of that is driving from A to B to Z mm. to, yeah, wherever. So from 1.9, you know, is there anything, and from, you know, the, the stuff that's here, is there anything that you think, oh, maybe I could, you know, try and try and do that a bit more? Or is it sort of, I think, you know, like, this is there's it, definitely and, changes that I could make um, and that I should make, but... I think it's all kind of like the 10%. Like I could make sure I never use a coffee cup anytime during the year Mm. and that I always ride my bike to the supermarket Mm. and just those little things um, ensure like a carbon offset for every flight that I take, not just some of them. Um, But those things, I don't think there's anything major I can change right now with a product-based business. If I was service-based, you could just stay in one spot. Yeah, exactly. It's a really good point. So... You mentioned before, you know, sort of your personal impact versus the business impact. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're traveling a lot for 
you know the business but the business you're saying you know is much more uh sort of succinct yeah and yeah. eco-friendly and you know um strong in sort of promoting sustainable practices mm. um do you feel that that sort of balances out like there's no there's no like you know i'm judging you or anything it's like it's how does that sort of sit in your in your mind i generally don't think about it in terms of um such as like the carbon emissions based off my trips to go and see um, visit manufacturers but i think about it more so i'm creating an impact because i create clothes um so that creates enormous negative impact even if you do it in the least impactful way possible like you're converting a non-natural material or even if like I also use organic cotton that's still really resource heavy to create something Mm. out of nothing Mm. and so on one hand like there's definitely a bit of guilt about creating anything but then I guess that's offset we're humans we all wear clothes we all need clothes we definitely need to buy less and consume better yeah but if I'm not making sustainable clothes someone that like if you just look at the numbers of clothes that are manufactured per year, like it's in, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's in the billions, Mm. which is just absolute madness and the amount that people throw out per year. So I think based off the small scale of the business, yes, I am creating impact, but hopefully I'm creating education and awareness as well. So people change their um, buying habits. So then hopefully that offsets it a bit, but definitely guilt attached. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing. You know, talking about consuming less and consuming differently, and particularly in terms of clothes, mm. I think it's a it's a fascinating thing and something that I can really get behind with um, Team Timbuktu is that it's something that you can't really get at an op shop. How mm. does that, you know, do you frequent op shops? Do you, you know, sort of suggest that it's a great way to you know, buy clothes? And is it something that you sort of think, okay, there's a lot of great things you can get from op shops, Leggings, sports bras, you know, reliable rain wear isn't mm. typically one of them. Mm. Is that was that something that you thought about, or is I, it just sort of like? Yeah, I hadn't know. thought about that. I used to op shop quite a bit, perhaps, um, probably haven't for about five years. Like occasionally when I'm in the country, I'll pop into an op shop because yeah. it's so much more Got fun a than a metropolitan op shop. Yeah. Op shop. Um, fantastic, oh, so many good finds. Yeah. Um, and really bizarre finds too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd never shop in like city op shops anymore. I think more so if I need something now, um, like I don't spend my Saturday shopping versus yeah. me as a 15 year old. It's like, oh, let's go shopping. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, I don't have time for that. And I also don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So now when I need something, it's like I'm wearing these black jeans. I've had them for two years. They've pretty much worn through. I know I'm going to go and buy another pair and wear them every single day for the next two years. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to spend 10 hours looking in an op shop for something yeah. that might be not be exactly what I want. Mm. So it's just, I need this item to replace that item mm. in my wardrobe. I'll go and purchase just that. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, because I think it's, it's something that I've noticed that like I, I typically try and buy most of my clothes from op shops, but it is that thing of like, you know, if I am wearing clothes and they're, you know, they're close to wearing through or becoming, you know, unwearable, mm. it's, it's a sort of growing dread when I keep going to an op shop and can't <laughs> yeah, find it and exactly. can't find it and can't find it. And then it's sort of like, oh, I might have to buy mm. it eventually. Yeah. But then op shops yeah. are like such a great way to 
um, reduce the lifespan of clothes and ensure they are getting used mm. because um, as a society we're overproducing the amount of clothes but also people are um, overpurchasing so they're buying yeah. things they wear them once or even worse they don't buy them at all uh, yeah. wear them at all and then they'll either throw it out or send it to an op shop yeah. it's like you should not be purchasing anything unless you love it you feel amazing in it mm. and you're going to get a lot of wear out of it mm. um, and then maybe if it's still in good condition then you can donate it yeah that's a really good point so I think the other thing is I, I just want to go back to like sort of active wear because I think mm. it's something that you know you can't really find good active wear mm. and particularly it's, it's not something that people typically want to buy mm. second hand I think yeah. particularly you know form-fitting women's activewear is something that you don't really want to buy secondhand. Something about the sweat. You don't want to wear someone else's sweat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So is it something that... I I noticed, do you do hoodies as well? Uh, No, Uh, I've got... Oh, (laughs) such a fashion person. I was like, I definitely don't do hoodies. I do crew neck jumpers. (laughs) You do crew neck jumpers. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Yes, you do crew neck jumpers. Big difference. Big difference. So... Because that's, that's interesting to me. So it's because I sort of look at it and I'm like, okay, active wear is like, that's fantastic. There's mm. no, you know, there's no real way to get that secondhand sort of reliably. You know, mm. you're going to get stuff that's either, you know, filled with someone else's sweat or mm. doesn't quite fit properly or, you know, Isn't whatever. waterproof anymore. Isn't waterproof. I think particularly rain jackets. Like mm. finding a properly waterproof rain jacket at an op shop is They're just They're all from like, the 80s. Yeah. And like you can... Waterproof, re waterproof yeah. stuff once yeah. it's lost its waterproofness, but I'm not sure about doing that to items that are 30 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 40. So, how do you sit with making not hoodies, crew neck jumpers? <laughs> um, so, I was interested into whether or not sort of it was active wear, mm. whether or not the sort of um, availability of secondhand options mm. was a part of your decision in what products to make so you know people can quite easily go to an op shop and find Mm. a jumper but it's something that you still you know want to produce and Mm. want to produce well yeah um where does that sort of where does that sort of sit with you was you know was the availability of secondhand products part of deciding what you wanted to produce or not no it wasn't at all i hadn't actually thought about that um excitingly secondhand shopping um is growing faster or perhaps it's hasn't overtaken um, fast fashion just yet but I think secondhand shopping will be overtaking fast fashion which Mm. is great news Um, but in terms of the reason why I introduced organic cotton um, it was something that my customers were asking for and so I felt a little bit conflicted because it wasn't a recycled product even though it's definitely still more sustainably made because you don't have the really harmful um, like pesticides and all the chemicals attached to conventional cotton. But yeah, I actually tossed about that for ages and I couldn't decide whether to create it or not yeah. because you're creating more stuff that yes, other other brands do create and there's a less differentiation within it. Um, but yeah, it's something that my customers wanted and it sold really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's the other thing. I think that's interesting and I'm, I'm trying to set up a meeting with nobody denim from mm, the amazing. guy in yeah, yeah some really incredible stuff and i was lucky enough to sit on a panel with him earlier this year for mm. entrepreneurship week mm-hmm. um and he was talking about how sustainability from a business sense mm. often just makes sense you know using yeah. 
you know, different materials that, you know, might be recycled, but they're also mm. just, you know, cheaper or better, mm. more available or, you know, using more sustainable practices, you know, in their manufacturing facilities mm. is just, you know, just saves on energy and, mm. you know, that saves the cost. I think, how do you see, how do you balance having a sustainable business with having a business that is you know sustainable and could keep itself running and Mm. you know can make a profit how do Mm. you how do you balance the two between you know trying to save the planet and Mm. trying to you know run a business yeah it's so difficult that's actually like another reason so cotton has sold really well for me because it's something that um I guess people were lacking or they really liked the brand and they had already purchased a pair of leggings and a raincoat, but they wanted something else. Um, But yeah, cotton has been great for revenue. And so as the business is still only a year and a half old, um, like we really need to chase revenue, not in terms of promoting overconsumption, but you need the business to grow to eventually become profitable and to scale and to pay salaries and those kind of things. (laughs) And so... Yeah, it's a really tricky balance in between purchasing more sustainable fibers that actually they do cost more, but then it's significantly better for the environment, significantly better for the people that work with those fibers to create Mm. the garments. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, offsetting that with using like recycled paper for your your thank you cards and compostable packaging, which definitely costs more um, and is really inconvenient to like ship to manufacturers and for them to swap that rather than they're using their um, single-use plastic bags that they normally use but as a business that's really important I don't want to create hundreds or thousands of single-use bags for no reason Mm. Um, so yeah it's a really delicate balance in between scaling and selling enough versus not overproducing and ensuring that people actually want it and that you're not just encouraging like mindless consumerism Mm. It's a really good point. That's it's really interesting because I think it is, yeah, it is this tricky thing. I think particularly in this sort of you know activator space, it's mm. you know people are trying to do things for sustainability, but they're also trying to do things you know to run a business. Mm, definitely. And I think it'll be an interesting uh, intersection between you know when more and more businesses start to take on you know sustainable practices, mm. and yeah, scale them up to say you know what it's it's great that we're doing this little thing, but mm. what if we did this massive thing and you had yeah. this massive impact. All right, so we might wrap it up there, but um, just before we head off, if anyone's interested in you know learning more about um, Team Timbuktu and what you guys do and your whole kit and caboodle, where can people where can people get in touch? Yeah, so ways? head over to Instagram, um, Team Timbuktu. We're Team Timbuktu on Facebook as well, and our website's teamtimbuktu.com. And there we've got a pretty in-depth sustainability page, so you can see a bit more about our plastic recycling, learn about the story behind the business. And of course, see the current collection. Fantastic! All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. This has been this has been great, and um, yeah, excited to see what what becomes of Team Timbuktu in the next couple of years. I remember, I I still remember the moment that you know I'm an ING customer, and I still remember the moment that you know ING sent me an email, and your face popped up in the email. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you know, I know someone famous. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens with Team Timbuktu. Mm. I hope you have a fantastic day. And yeah, to everyone listening, I hope you have an awesome day. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Cool. Thanks for your time. Thank you.